we're in this series, this teaching series that we're calling I Love My Church. And uh, what we've been talking about is uh, that this place that we're all sitting is not a church. Just so you know, uh, the church is the people that are sitting in this place. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But we're looking at the church in this series and all that God said it is meant to be and um, how we can get there. So today I want to start in John's fourth gospel, John chapter 4. And we're going to launch off of a couple of verses here. John chapter 4. This is right after Jesus encountered the woman at the well. Many of you know that story. And uh, the disciples of Jesus, the ones following him, they're a little concerned about his state. They're, they're a little worried that maybe he's hungry, that maybe he needs something to eat. He's maybe looking a little weak, and they want to make sure he gets something to eat. So verse 31, it says, The disciples urged him, Jesus, they said, Rabbi, eat something. It's just amazing to me how much food just jumps out at me, even in the Bible. I just, I love, Rabbi, everybody say, eat something. I just wanted to hear you say that. So, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said to his disciples, you know, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. It's like, we're worried about you, Jesus. You look hungry. We want to make sure you have something to eat. And then Jesus says, no, you don't understand. I have food that you know nothing of. It's a different kind of food than you're talking about. Verse 33 They never get it, the disciples. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? Did somebody slip him a Happy Meal while we weren't looking? You know, it's like, no, he would have probably had carrots and hummus. But I'm assuming he'd be more healthy. Did did somebody give Jesus something to eat? And then verse 34, Jesus says something here that's really powerful. He says, no, my food is to do what? The will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So my food, he's saying, my nourishment, it's something else entirely. It has nothing to do with the food I'm consuming, what everybody else thinks about, which is fill me, fill me, fill me, feed me, feed me, feed me. What actually fills me, he's saying, is to fill others. What actually feeds me is to feed others. What nourishes me is to, is to pour into the lives of others and meet their needs and to do the work of God and finish the task that he's given me to finish while I'm here on this earth. And it's food that you know nothing of. What fills me is doing the work of God, which is ministering to other people. And what's interesting to me is that in this story, the disciples, they were completely concerned about consumption. It was all about, you know, we need to consume, we need to take care of ourselves, we need to make sure he has something to eat and we have enough to eat and this and that. Jesus was not at all, though, concerned about consuming. He was totally concerned about contributing and making a difference in the lives of those around him instead. And what he's saying here by this is my food is when I contribute to the lives of others, that's what nourishes me. That's what makes me whole. That's what actually drives me and and fills me up beyond anything that you could ever put in my stomach. And, you know, this is a different way to live than the world lives because this completely goes against our human nature. Can we admit that? That, Because I hear people say sometimes, well, we're good people, we're good people. No, actually, we're not. We don't start off good. Um, We're born selfish. You know, you can just ask my three-year-old. We were at a birthday party the other night, and he's playing with all these toys in the corner that did not belong to him. And another kid came over, to want, and he wanted to play with him and, and play with some of the toys, and he screamed, no, mine! It's like, no, they're not yours, son. I'm going to take you in the corner and explain that to you. But I didn't teach him that. That's just natural. That's his nature that he already has inside of him. It's not something that I had to teach him. By nature, we are self-centered and, and selfish. Um, and Jesus is saying, I have a higher calling than, than just thinking about myself. 
I have a higher calling than that. I need to now start thinking about the needs of others. And, uh, and so I love food, guys. And I've done a lot of research on, on I'm going to share some, some fast food history with you, okay? This is deep stuff. Um, you're going to get a lot out of this. So what's interesting is for those of you who were alive during particular years in our history, you're going to know exactly what I'm about to say. And you're going to probably be able to say it out loud before I even say it. But growing up, some of you, there was a particular fast food restaurant that every time you walked in, you could order the same thing and it would come out the same way. And how it all started was two all-beef patties. <laughs> See, I don't even have to say it. You just know it. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickle, onion on a sesame seed bun, right? And they're talking about the Big Mac. They're talking about the Big Mac. And it doesn't matter when you walk in or what time of day you ordered it or whatever, it's the same thing. You get the exact same hamburger with the exact same ingredients, and that's all there was. Every single time guaranteed. That was their promise. Until something different happened a little bit later with another fast food chain that was called Burger King. Some of you remember the year. It was 1973, and they came out with this slogan, have it your way. Before Burger King, if you walked in, you ordered a hamburger, you got the exact same thing with the exact same ingredients, the exact same amount of tomatoes and pickles on it, period. That's all there was. But now, Burger King comes in, they say, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't upset us. <laughs> and they started to shift our culture in that moment. Some of you, you're feeling really close to God right now. <laughs> and if you were born after the year 2000, though, you're like, what is he talking about? And we feel sorry for you. But trust me, it was powerful. It was powerful. It changed everything because suddenly when you walk into a place like this, you're in control. You have the control, and you can decide anything you want, and it, they're going to do it. You know, I don't want pickles. I like pickles. I'm a mustard guy. I like mayonnaise, no mayonnaise. It's up to you. You can customize it. You have control. It's all about you. And then years later, we have this thing in our society, which is the customer is king. And you can see it all over town, from Subway to customizing your sandwich to the pizza joints where it's all custom to, to the new burger place in town, which I just think is glorious, where they have so many options that it's just nuts. I want to eat there every day. In fact, a company today in our culture will promote quality, service, value, style, selection, convenience, savings, performance, experience, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money-back guarantee, <gasps> free installation, free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trials, free parking, no cash, no problem, no kidding, no fuss, no muss. No purchase necessary, no one will call on you, no payments till September, and don't forget to pick up your free gift, by the way, a classy, deluxe, custom designer, luxury, prestige, high-quality, premium, one-of-a-kind, pencil holder <laughs> because it's all about you and it's all about exactly what you want and you get to choose whatever it is you want and we make it all about you because you're that important to us and uh right have it your way no pickles no lettuce no fuss special orders don't rattle us or however it goes and all of a sudden we became a consumer-minded society it's all about me it's all about what i want have it your way. And what I want to talk about today is that tragically, and I'm not talking about this even for the benefit of the churches. I'm talking about this for the benefit of the people. Tragically, what's happened is the consumer mindset has bled into the church. It's bled into the local churches across the nation. And for example, even here where we live, it's really common to encounter people who use even the language of, you know, I'm, I'm church shopping. I'm, I'm jumping around shopping for a new church. I'm shopping for a new church, trying to find the best one for me. And we use this, that, this language, I'm shopping for a church. 
you know, and that's just, that's just how we talk. And, and then what I'll hear often, oftentimes, more than I should, is, you know, uh, I just can't find a good church. I, I, I just can't find a church that's just right. I can't, you know, it's not right for us. I mean, I've looked everywhere. We've been to 79 churches in the city of Visalia, and I just can't find a church that meets all my needs. You're not going to, because that's not what the church was meant to be. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. That, you know, but that's what you hear oftentimes is, man, we can't find a church that meets our needs. I need to find a church that meets all my needs. And this is incredibly common in our consumeristic mindset society that we live in. It's bled all the way into the local church. We're looking for a church, but we just can't find one that meets all our needs. So today I want to share something really real with you. And, and here it is. If you're in this room and you're saved by Jesus Christ... If his grace has covered you and you've accepted that free gift, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, as the church, because that's who he says you are, I'm going to share something that you're not and something that you are. And this is how he would describe it, okay? So here's the first thing if you're taking notes. As the church, the people of God, we are not consumers. We are contributors, And why? Here's your second point. Because we understand that the church does not exist for us, but that we are the church, and we actually exist for the world. That's biblical. And a lot of times we see it differently, but when you embrace that statement, when you acknowledge that and recognize that, it changes everything in your own life. Because that's the food Jesus is talking about that truly nourishes your soul that you can't get from anywhere else. You can't get by simply saying, fill me, feed me, feed me. You have to start eventually feeding and filling others, and that's where the true nourishment comes from. So as the church, we're not consumers, we're contributors. Because we understand, again, the church does not exist for us. We are the church. And the reason we're here is for the world, to serve the world. Our food is something many people don't understand. It's to, like Jesus said, do the work and the will of the Father who, who created us to do it while we're here on this earth. And, and so we need to recognize these truths. So what I want to do, and, and before I do this, let me, let me give you a disclaimer. Because this is, not, this is not something I'm trying to throw in your face. This is not me up here saying, you know, this church has needs and they're not being met. I'm not saying that. Um, this church has, has seen God do incredible things, and God's going to do those incredible things whether or not you listen to this message. This, I'm, I'm preaching this because I care about you. Because this series is called I Love the Church. I Love My Church. It means I love you guys. And so I love you enough to say these things to you in this series because these are the things that are actually going to fill you up and make you whole and make you into the church, the people that God intended you to be. And we all need to listen to this, including myself. And so what I want to do, just because I think it's important to sometimes analyze where you're at. And so I want you to picture in your head just a scale. So way down here is going to be a 1, okay, and way over here is going to be a 10. So I want you to think just for a moment, where do I fall if this was a scale of consuming versus contributing? Like spiritually, as part of the body of Christ. Am I down here? You're not going to be a one, because that's like the devil, right? Like that's, we're not, there's more grace than that, right? But you're also not going to be a ten, because if you're a ten, you better have given your life for the sins of the world and rose from the dead, you know? And if you think you're Jesus, ask the person next to you, they'll say, no, you're not Jesus. So, so somewhere in the middle there, we all fall. And it's not some place we have to live or stay, but it's a place that we can progress and we can walk along in our journey, right? So just, just as an example, okay, let's say that you 
come to church and you walk into a building and you say, I'm going to church instead of being the church. You come to church, you drop your kids off every week to people that serve you and your children and give of themselves to you and your children every week and they're honored to do that. But you've been doing that for years and then now you're actually not serving or contributing anywhere in the church in terms of being part of the family, which is what the church is, of serving on a ministry team or doing this or that then you might be down here three, four, I don't know where it is, somewhere like that. Now let's say that you serve in a ministry team and you participate and you pray for your leaders and that kind of stuff and, 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 and you, don't, you don't come with a complaint without also saying, I want to help. Um, then maybe you're, let's be honest, let's call it what it is and be real. Maybe you're an eight or a nine. It's okay to say that. But kind of just picture yourself there and just kind of see where you'd fall. And so what I want to share with you now, and again, this is for you, it's for all of us, it's so that Wherever we fall, we can say, you know what, I want to take some steps in that direction, okay, because that's how God intends it to be for, for me and my life and what I'm here for. So I'm going to share two ways that God actually gifts you, because he does, he gives you all gifts as part of his family, and how he wants to use you and call you to use those gifts, okay? So thought number one, followers of Jesus need to understand this, God calls you to serve in his church, he does. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are gifted, you are called, and set apart to use your gifts that he's given you, not to sit on them, but to use them to serve him in his church, to make a difference in the lives of those around you. doesn't matter who you are. If God saved you, you are to serve in his church. And the challenge with this one, and, and I, I get it, I get the challenge. The challenge is in the world today, Again, a lot of people don't really understand what church is. And we talked about this last week, but I'm going to bring it again for those that might be just joining us. The Bible does not talk about the church ever as being a place we go to or a building that sits there. The church is the people of God. That's the church. The church is the people that follow Jesus, the people that have surrendered their lives to Jesus. That's the church. It's his people. So the church is not a building. We don't go to church. We are the church. We don't attend church. We are the church, and everywhere we go, we bring the church with us. And, you know, we use that language innocently. I'm going to church. I'm going to church. And that's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that as long as we understand and acknowledge that that's not what God says the church is. The church is us. The church is the people of God that gather together and assemble. And, and just a little history, by the way, why this change? Why, why, how did the church come to be known as a building or a place that we go to? Um, you might not recognize this, but long ago when the church started, after Jesus died and rose again, the, the church was never considered a building. It was always considered the people of God. And people couldn't even really gather legally back then for, for several centuries. It was illegal and they were heavily persecuted. Many of them were killed for gathering as the church until about 313 A.D., the fourth century after Jesus died and rose again, this guy Constantine finally legalized Christianity. So at that point, people were able to legally start gathering and worshiping Christ, but before that, they couldn't do it legally. And then also, back then, a gathering had no way to own a piece of land or a building or a property, so it just wasn't something that ever happened. And today, it's a different world, and so it's a good thing, I believe with all my heart, that local churches can own land and property and, and for that to be used to advance God's kingdom, it's an incredible thing. But the purpose is that we are the church. That's just a tool and a resource we've been given to him to manage so that we can be sent out into the world. But before that, in 313 AD, the church was never called a building. It was totally and completely the people. And so 
So what I'm saying is, biblically, we don't go to church, technically. We don't go to church. We are the church. That's the biblical way to talk about it. And we're here to serve or minister to the people in the world that come through the doors and those out in our community as well. So let me take you to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. This passage just excites me because it talks about the gifts that God has given each of us and how he wants to use those um, for his glory and for us to, to have purpose, okay? So it's in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 6. This is how God wants to use our gifts in the church. Here's what it says. In his grace, God has given us, what? Different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you, now Paul's going to list seven different gifts here. Obviously, there's more than seven gifts that God gives people to use, right? But he's going to talk about seven specific ones here. Verse 6. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as, as, as God has given you. The second gift, verse 7. If God has given you the gift of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's uh, giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And the last one, if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Those are some cool gifts. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, and kindness. Seven different gifts. And now, when I say that, I realize that there, there might be people in the room who you say, well, I don't know which one I have. Maybe I have a couple. Maybe I don't have any. I, I don't really know which one I have. So I'm going to share something kind of cheesy with you that I learned back in seminary. And uh, it's called the apple pie illustration. And with the apple pie illustration, this is how you discover which of these seven gifts you have. Okay, so imagine for a moment that I'm sitting at a table and I'm about to eat this hot out of the oven delicious apple pie. You see, I'm, I'm talking about food again. I don't know how that always happens. But so there's this delicious apple pie and it's kind of teetering on the edge of the table. It's in a dangerous, precarious spot, okay? So I'm getting ready to eat the pie and all of a sudden the pie flips upside down and lands in my lap and makes a huge mess. So here's how you discover what gift is yours. If you're there and you witness this happen, you ask yourself, what would I do in that situation? How would I respond to that? So if you say, well, you know, oh my gosh, that's so horrible. Let me jump, let me go get a towel, let me help you clean it up. You have the gift of serving. Okay, how many of you have that gift, by the way? You like to help behind the scenes? Oh, a ton of you. It's one of the most important gifts in the church. If, you, if that happens and you say, oh, I can't believe that happened. Here, let me buy you another pie. And like, in fact, let me buy one for everybody at the table. You have the gift of giving. The gift of generosity. You, you like to give to people with no strings attached. You like to do it anonymously often, which is one of the great traits of a great giver. Some of you, if you witness that happen, you might say, hey, don't worry, we'll get this organized in no time. Hey, come here, you do this, you do that, we're going to take care of this mess. You have the gift of leadership or administration. Point to somebody if that's them next to you. They're bossy, and they, <laughs> they got that down, right? <laughs> Someone else sees that happen, and they go, oh, man, that was funny. That was hilarious. Yeah, let me join you in that. Let me take a pie. And they do it to themselves. You have the gift of encouragement. Okay? You're kind. You like to make people feel better about themselves. Ah, oh, they feel bad. I want to make them feel better. I'm going to join them in the mess. How many of you have that? You just love to encourage people. Yeah, it's a great gift. Wow, there was not a lot of hands for that one. <laughs> Those of you who would say, oh, I hurt with you. I can't even do it with a straight face. I don't have that gift. I don't, I, that's my weakest gift. We're not supposed to have all of them. I'm admitting to you, that is not my gift. Oh, I feel your pain. Like, I just can't do it. I can't do it. 
Who's like that? You've just got this kind, you empathize with people. You feel their hurts when they're hurting. Yeah, great. That's amazing. I don't understand you, but it's a great gift. <laughs> and then others of you would say, you know what? There, there really would have been a better way, Jared, to eat that apple pie. Um, let me kind of run through some stuff with you. And here's a chart, and here's like a list with some bullet points of how you could eat it better next time. You're a teacher. You have the gift of teaching, and you like to teach people. And so maybe you need to lead a life group or teach people from the Bible or do different things like that. You're gifted at teaching. And there's others of you in the room who you might say, you know what, Jared, that was like one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Like, I could see it coming from a mile away. It was obviously going to happen because of the way you set up the situation. Um, I'm just going to tell you like it is, and that, that happened, and it's your fault. You have the gift of prophecy. <laughs> because the, I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, the gift of prophecy is not telling the future. The gift of prophecy is speaking truth to people that they need to hear, that they might not know, and that kind of thing. That's the gift of prophecy. It's, it's telling things like they are. That's considered prophecy. And, and, and so my, my prayer is that you'll take the next step, whatever that is, to kind of help you discover what, what are your gifts. And it might not even be one of those seven. Maybe it's hospitality, or maybe it's singing, or playing an instrument. There's all kinds of gifts, working with children, and, and, and you know, um, it goes on and on and on. But the point is God wants each of us as the church family, to use our gifts to serve in the church, to serve the people that we're trying to reach. And in fact, you know, I could go on and on, but I'm just going to tell you about a few people. Like, I don't know if you know this, but our grass out front was brown for a long time. Now it's lush and green. That's because there's a guy in the back named John who comes out here every weekend and makes sure the sprinklers are working, you know? And he just says, you know what? I'm gifted at getting muddy, and so I'm going to get out there and do it, right? That's my thing. Um, you know, and, and there's a guy here, uh, Jermaine, who he's always up here playing guitar every week. He has a microphone. I don't know if you know that, but he doesn't sing. That's because he's actually directing and leading everything without you knowing it because he's extremely talented in that. But you know how that started? He came to us and he said, you know what? I have a gift and I just want to use it more. Tell, tell, you tell me, how, we, how can we use that gift more? Because I just want to give more. And, and that's just an incredible thing. Um, I could go on and on and on. Um, but these are people that understand I've got food you know nothing of. Like Jesus said, this is what fills me. This is what nourishes me. This is what actually makes me whole is serving other people within God's church. And um, people that do things behind the scenes that nobody notices. Let me tell you something. God notices. If you feel like you're not noticed but you're serving God, God notices. I just want you to know that. And God, God cares about those who serve. In fact, the greatest in the kingdom of God, it actually says, are those who serve. That's in the Bible. And and so the question then is, for some of us, why, why are these people so different? Because sometimes it feels like there's something different about them, and, and why are they so into this and fired up by this? It's because they understand that concept I talked about earlier, that they don't go to church. They are the church, meaning they're there to serve. That's who they are. They understand that they're there to be spiritual contributors as part of the body of Christ, not simply spiritual consumers, and God's created them to make a difference. And so I just want to say this. For those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, God has given you gifts, and he calls you to use those gifts to serve in his church. He calls you to use those gifts. And therefore, if you're not doing anything in God's church, whether it's this local one or a different one, then maybe there's something that God wants to be done that's not being done. And so maybe that's, that's the gift you've been given, but you've been sitting on it. Maybe it's time to use it. Just think about those things, um, you know? And so uh, the church God created 
to bring in the people that meet Jesus. And then, but then we're supposed to all progress and grow in our faith and mature and, and, and grow to the point where we're no longer constantly consuming, but we're contributing and we're giving back. And we're not just benefiting from a family, but we're members of that family, part of God's very own family. And we're to be in that house with everybody. And so, so thought number one, God calls you to serve in his church to make a difference. Thought number two, God also calls you to serve as his church. And there's a difference. And, and this is so important. So not only do we serve in his church, but we're also called to serve in the world as his church. And that's, that's a little different. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. He's talking to people that were following him, like many of us, and he says, you are the, what? Light of the world. You're the light of the world. You're the light that's supposed to shine into the darkness out there, okay? A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus followers, let your light shine before others that they may see your what? Good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He says, let your light shine before others so that they can see your good deeds. So that they can see that you're actually committed to Christ. So that they can see that the way you live matches what you claim to believe. So that they can see that you care about people in the world and that, that they may see that you're engaged, loving them as they are. That they may see your good deeds. Now make no mistake about it. Don't, don't, don't hear me saying it the wrong way because here's something that's not true. We're not saved by our good deeds. Nobody could ever be saved by good deeds no matter how good or how many they are. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ and by his grace alone. That's the only thing that saves us. Jesus saves. It's not by our good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Okay? So we're saved so that we would do the work of God while we're here on this earth. That's why he saves us. And, and, and we're saved to make a difference in the world, to be the light of the world. Let them see your good deeds. So here's a, here's a challenging question for you. We like to challenge people here. Here's a, here's a challenge. Ask yourself this question. In the last seven days, how many people would know by the way that you lived that you're different? How many people in the last seven days, by the way that you lived your life, by the way that you loved people, by the way that you gave, by the way you showed that you cared about those that maybe others aren't caring about, the way you live your life, how many people would know that you are different, that it's not all about you, that you're giving and serving and making a difference, that you're listening to others and not just talking, that you're hearing the words they say, that you're truly being engaged in the lives of people who maybe are not Jesus followers yet, let them see your good works, that, that they might be intrigued and drawn in and truly, um, you know, asking questions. Like, you know, something's different about you, they might say. I, I'm, trying to fig- I'm trying to figure out what makes you tick because I, I, there's something there, but I don't know what it is, but it's something different. Like, why do you care about me more than anybody else has ever cared about me? It seems like you really care about me. Like, why did you give me something and tell me no strings attached? Like, you literally just gave it to me and said, I don't have to give it back. Like, that doesn't happen. Why did you do that? There's something different about the way you live, and people see that. They see that when you're different. 
I can't believe you're so involved, that you're, that you're so engaged in my life, that, that you're willing to have a conversation with me and ask me questions and listen to what I have to say instead of just talking my ear off for an hour. I, I, why is that? What makes you different that you truly care about me? People notice those things. People notice those things. And then when they ask that question, guess what? You get to tell them. You get to tell them what the difference is. And then it says, one day they will glorify God in heaven because of that. And that's beautiful. You're the light of the world. So you're not only called to serve in the church, we're called to serve as the church in the world. And you know, I, I could go on and on again with people in this room. I don't have time to share everybody. There's a woman here in the front row who for years I've watched go out on the streets and minister to people who many of us would just walk right by. Um, minister to people and share God's love with them and tell them the truth and, and, and bring them food. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. There's somebody in this room who goes into, into jails and ministers with people in there. There's a couple in this room who's getting ready to adopt a child who maybe has been thrown into a broken system, parentless, homeless, being tossed around from home to home and permanently bring that child into their family and be, their, be, be his or her forever family. And that moves me. Because that's doing what Jesus actually said to do, which is take care of the orphans. It's not just talk. It's real. Spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers in the world. And guys, I believe with all my heart this is why I'm sharing this message today, even though it's kind of hard. That the way that the church has kind of gone astray in a lot of parts of our country is, is messed up. It's backwards. Because I believe that the government is not the best equipped organization to meet the needs of the world. And I think we see that every day. The local church is. And I'm not blaming the government either, like some of you do. The government stepped in to meet needs that weren't being met in our world because I believe the local church stopped meeting them. In fact, there's needs in our world that were being met by the local church for centuries, but when they pulled out, somebody had to step in, and so they tried to make government programs to do it. But the local church has the only thing that really saves. The local church has the only message worth following, and it has the only name that can make people whole. It's the only thing that works whether you believe it or not. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, and, and as they come up, let me just kind of share just a quick vision for, for you, okay? Because I asked God to show me in my mind through the Scriptures, through the early church, through His Word, what does a church family look like that is operating in a way that we're talking about today, that the Word of God talks about. And I think that in a lot of these ways, this church family knocks it out of the park. And so I'm so proud to be a part of this church. But what he showed me was a church family that loves other people more than we are loved. And a group of people that serves others more than we are served. And that gives to others more than we've been given that cares more than maybe we've been cared about. This is a group of people so overwhelmed by the love of God that we love and accept people right where they're at, no matter who they are or where they've been. 
But at the same time, we don't leave them there because we love them enough to walk them down a path and be honest with them about how their life can be put back together. And the only answer is Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that can heal and make people whole. And this is a church where every single person in the body of Christ sees themselves as a part of that body. And whether you're the hand or the arm or the ear or the eye or the head or the hair or the liver, it doesn't matter. Your part in the body is just as critical as every other part. And when the leg is not serving in the body, we're limping. And when the, 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 the eyes are not in the body, we can't see right. And every part is needed and every part has value and every single one of you matter. You matter to God, you matter to this local church family, and you matter to me. But this is a body of Christ where the, the people continually progress and eventually get to the point where it's not just going to church and it's not just consume, 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 eat, 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 but eventually it's feeding others and it's filling others up, which is the food that really nourishes you. And it's something that's so much better and it actually brings you healing from stuff, by the way. I can't tell you how many times somebody in this church family has done this and this and this and this and not found their healing, but then they actually plug in and start serving others as the church, and all of a sudden, this healing comes and this wholeness comes that they didn't have before. It's a beautiful picture, and I believe that's what Jesus is talking about here, and, and, and that this would not just be a group of people that serves in the church, but they also serve as the church out in the world, that we don't just leave church and then it's over, but we are the church, and we go out everywhere as the church. I picture a church, and I, I, to be honest with you, I think we're, we're getting there already. I picture a church where our community that we live in, even those that don't come through these doors, if we vanished off the face of the earth, they would actually say, oh no, where's Rise? Because of the impact that the people in this church make out in the community and the way that they live and the way that they love. You know, we believe that God has called us as the church to be more, so much more, than just a consumeristic, self-centered people. We're not spiritual consumers, we're spiritual contributors because the church, you see, it doesn't exist for us if we're already in that spot. We are the church at that point and then we exist for the world. 